You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Amen. You know what? It's always uh, such a privilege to preach in, in your home church, and we appreciate Pastor Ben and Jessica and the opportunity uh, to share God's Word with you this morning. is amazing. Uh, forgive my voice a little bit. It's been a little bit of a struggle, but I'll get there. So <clears throat> this morning, we're going to talk about personal growth. You know, someone once said that personal growth is misleading because it sounds like it's going to be fun. But if we called it deliberately making yourself so uncomfortable that you think you're going to die, then nobody would do it. How many of you know that that's kind of true? Yeah. Well, the title of my sermon this morning is God Wants Me to Grow. God wants me to grow. Why don't you say that to yourself real quick? He does. I've been saying that to myself for, for a long time. God wants me to grow. And as I thought back about my journey as a Christian, um, I came to know the Lord when I was 15 years old. I made that decision to follow Christ. And, you know, I, I think back about the many changes that God has produced in my life over that time whether it be becoming more responsive or more patient. And there's a whole list of things and ways that I've grown. And if you ask the Lord and my wife, there's still quite a list of things that I need to grow in. Okay, how many of you husbands know that that list exists? It is out there, yes, whether you know about it or not. All right. Well, God wants you to grow. Not only does he want me to grow, he wants you to grow. Tell your neighbor that. God wants you to grow. That's true. So how have you grown since coming to know Christ? Now, if you're, if you're listening and you're like, well, Pastor Mike, I, I actually haven't professed faith in Christ. I'm kind of listening online or I'm just kind of checking things out today. That's fine. We're so glad that you are doing that. If you come to a place where you want to know more about Jesus, then come find me or Pastor Ben or any of the pastors. We'd be glad to talk more about that with you. But if you're sitting here today and you are a believer, I want you to think about what are the ways that you have grown? I'm sure there's something specific that comes to your mind. Maybe there's something that you're currently trying to grow through. And you know how growth is. It's like you, you come up to it and sometimes you go, yeah, not today. And you just kind of turn around, you know. And other times you're like, okay, I'm ready to grow. Okay, I did it. All right. You know, you step over that line and then you, you keep moving forward from there. Well, I'm sure that you and I could spend all day listening to stories of how we have grown, the ways God has moved in our lives. But you know what's really true about our growth is that a lot of times it occurs because God pushes us out of our comfort zone and into a place where we have no choice but to grow. Have you ever been there? It's like you feel something just kind of pressing you out, and you're like, yeah, I'd rather stay back there. And, and it's like, I don't, I've often described it this way. It's like a blister that forms, you know? It's like if, or a splinter. If you get a splinter, your body just kind of wraps it around in a callus and just starts moving it out, right? And I think that sometimes how it is with, with our walk with the Lord. He, God wants us to grow so bad. And sometimes, as you'll hear me talk about in a few minutes, we want to stay in that comfort zone more so. And he kind of just says, yeah, not today. And he just kind of puts us out there and says, okay, 
Go for it. And so we're going to uh, continue into Second Peter today. And as we do, we're going to discover that we're not the first people who have ever experienced this. As we get into this exile series, we're going to start reading the last words of the Apostle Peter. And he wrote these words while sitting in a Roman prison waiting to be executed. Okay, so he's sitting there and uh, he's formulating his last words and so he writes this letter to them. And if there's one word that kind of characterizes Second Peter, it's the word remember. In 61 verses, he uses that phrase or something very similar seven times. Don't forget, refresh your memory, keep this in mind, that kind of thing. Seven times in 61 verses, he, he brings this up. So what is it that he wants them to remember? It's primarily related to two things. One, it, mainly it's related to growth, the fact that they can grow despite being exiled, okay? So let's take a look at a couple verses. Look at uh, first. Peter, or excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. He says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. He gets right to it. Second verse, he's talking about growth. It's on his mind, okay, as he sits in that prison. And then at the end, like a bookend, beginning and end, chapter 3, verse 18, he says, you must grow. You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter wanted these exiles to know God wants, wanted them to grow. And his words are relevant to us today. Because in this opening passage, these first 15 verses, Peter addresses four common misconceptions regarding our perspective of growth, the process of growth, and the purpose of growth. So we're going to walk through them in order. Let's start with having a proper perspective. Go to chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith that we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So the first misconception that Peter addresses is kind of in the background of this letter. The first misconception is that growth is stunted or stopped by challenging circumstances. The first misconception is that growth is stunted or stopped by challenging circumstances. Think about that for a moment. Naturally, we tend to think that this is true, but in the context of growing more like Christ, not so much, because in reality, spiritual growth is accelerated by challenging circumstances, especially when we have the proper perspective. See, these Christians were facing difficult challenges. Peter knew that they were exiled. He knew they were suffering. He knew that they were trying very, very hard to understand how what they were going through fit into God's plan for their life. Have you ever been there? I have been there a few times where you feel like, what in the world is going on? This is, this is not what I thought was going to happen. And so here they are. Peter knew all of that. But he also knew that their growth started where their comfort zone ended. You hear that? Our growth starts, their growth started where their comfort zone ended. He knew that God was trying to do something amazing in and through their lives. And so rather than resist the challenge, he says 
embrace the challenge as an opportunity to grow. And I know the same is true for us. At some point, all of us are pressed out of our comfort zone, out of our familiar and into the unknown. And this is very, very hard on us because naturally our goal is to stay in our comfort zones as much as possible. I tend to think our comfort zones are a lot like this Snuggie. Now, full disclosure, this is not my Snuggie, okay? I bought it specifically for this sermon, okay? Uh, wearing such a thing violates every man law I know, actually. <laughs> so, and I was actually instructed in first service, I put this thing on backwards. You know, I wore it like a robe in first service, but you're actually supposed to put it on this way because there's a pocket for your snacks. <laughs> right here. I didn't even notice that at first, but this is really ingenious. You could fit a lot of snacks in here. This is like more than a Snickers. I mean, you could wear this to the theater and hide your candy in there. You could do that. Don't tell nobody I do that once in a while. Okay, so you could hide a lot of stuff in there, okay? And now that I have this on, this is, this is actually pretty comfy. This is warm. It's soft. You know, I mean, and, quite on, and honestly, it's quite fashionable, don't you think? It's a good deal. You know, as much as I'd love to continue wearing this Snuggie, uh, staying in it all the time is not really practical, is it? I mean, it, it hinders us uh, from basically doing everything but sitting on the couch, right? I mean, you can't cook in it. Uh, your sleeves will get all yucky, right? You can't exercise in it. You can't work in it. You can't even use the bathroom very well in it, although I know somebody here is going to try that, okay? The same is true for our comfort zones. You know, we'd like to stay in them as much as we can, but in reality, that's not possible. God tends to push us out of our comfort zones in order to help us become more like Jesus. And when this happens... Uh, some of us get kind of feisty. We look at those challenges with disdain like we do when somebody rips the covers off us in the morning or takes our Snuggie from us, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You see, perspective is a small thing that makes a big difference. Peter was telling these believers and us today to change our perspective, to see our challenges, to see the moments when God exiles us from our comfort zone not as an inconvenience, but as a catalyst for our growth. All too often we get that way with God. We're like, God, why? Seriously? We get a bit annoyed with him when he starts to nudge us out and we do one of those things where we try to spin back on him. Have you ever done that with your kids? You're trying to like force them into like some place and they keep doing this spinny thing where they keep trying and you're like, kind of blocking them in. I just give them the claw. Does every dad here have the claw? Do you, got, you know what I'm talking about, the claw right there in the scruff. You just kind of, no, you're going to go, that kind of thing. You know, I think God sometimes does that with us. When we see the removal, the exile from our comfort zone, he goes, gives us the claw, no, you're going to go. Okay, and so we need to change our perspective. We know first and foremost, listen, God wants us to grow. Say that again. God wants me to grow. Yeah, and we only grow when we get our spiritual snuggies off and get out into the, the unknown and get out of our comfort zone. Okay, so 
This is for, well, the first thing Peter talks to them about, and it's kind of hidden there in the background. Now he gets in, after talking about the proper perspective regarding growth, he starts talking about the process of growth. See, I think as Christians, we all know when we come to faith that, yeah, we got to grow. But I don't know that it's ever really explained very well how we grow, both in general and then in detail. And that's where Peter kind of fills in the gaps. It's so interesting. It's so interesting that a man facing execution has this on his mind. Okay? I'll circle back to this at the very end. I think I have an answer why. But he's sitting there in prison thinking about them growing, growing despite exile. And he wants them to know kind of how growth works. I think, in, really, it's to help them make sense of it all. I really do. Like, why am I exiled? Why couldn't I stay back where I grew up? Why do I have to move and learn a new language and do, get adjusted to all this stuff? Well, God is wanting you to grow in some really amazing ways, and here's how it goes. Look at uh, verse 3 and 4. Peter says, by his divine power, God has given us everything, say everything, everything we need we, for, for living a godly life. We, we have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So he's sitting here, and he's wanting them to, first of all, understand how their growth uh, happens in general. And there's five steps to it. The first step is this. And it, it starts when the, in the moment that we express faith in Christ. There's a very popular uh, illustration of this where there's a, a chasm. We sang about it this morning, this, this great chasm between us and God. It's up there in the upper left there. And we are separated from God because God is holy. God is, is without sin. Sin cannot even be in his presence. And, and he created us without sin, but we chose sin, and we separated from him. There became this, this great divide, this great chasm, as the song says. And we're on one side, and God is on the other. And without Christ, there's really, there is no way to cross that chasm. We are in a place of spiritual death. We are in, in darkness, okay? We are, uh, in fact, completely selfish and lost uh, at the just complete mercy of our impulses in, in that place. And this, this is what leads us to such self-destructive behavior. We have nothing within us to, to overcome those impulses. And yet... God, in his, his just divine mercy, sent Jesus Christ to bridge that gap. And so when we express faith in Christ, we step from a place of death to life. As Pastor Sean mentioned, we symbolize that with baptism, right? We symbolize crossing over from that place of death to life with water baptism. And so we cross over, and that's what kicks everything off. And in the moment we cross over, God sends us a package. It's drop shipped from heaven. It's waiting on our, right next to us. When we say amen, boom, it's there. It's like, whoa, 
Where'd that come from? And he sends us what Peter says are great and precious promises. Now, why does God send us this package? Is it because we were so awesome? In our, in our self-destructive state, we were just so awesome that God was so impressive. Like, whoa, look at those guys. They're, they're awesome. I better send them something. You know, no. He, Peter says, he says that God's glorious character and moral excellence compels him to do so. See, God's character is so profoundly deep in his morality, so pure, that he cannot help but respond to our faith any other way. Think about it. If we, if when we expressed faith in Christ, God didn't provide us with everything we need to live a godly life, then we would have grounds to accuse him of some potential injustice. Do you understand? We could say, yeah, I stepped the line of faith, but you left me hanging. Thankfully, Peter says this is not the case, but step three, Peter says you have to unpack and use God's great and precious promises. Now, I just want to interject real quick here. I think the most ridiculous thing on Amazon or, or uh, YouTube is the videos that show people like unpacking things. Please don't raise your hand if you watch those, but meet me at the altar afterwards, please. I would like to pray for you. Okay, I'm just teasing. Kind of not, but I do hate those videos. Okay, we have to unpack and use what God sends us, these great and precious promises. Now, I've heard recently that there are like 7,300 promises in the Bible. That's a lot of promises. Okay, if we did one of those a day, it would take, what, like years to just get through all of the promises that God has made to us. But Peter says, listen, we never abdicate our responsibility, right? We, from beginning to end, as it pertains to growing more like Jesus, our choices are the determining factor. We choose to step from a place of death to life. We choose faith in Christ. God never compels us to do so. He's never going to drag us across, although he can be very persuasive, right? We old-timers know the, the hounds of heaven. Have you ever heard that? Holy Spirit is the, the hound of heaven. He's going to chase you down and get you across that bridge. And, you know, if he sends us those great and precious promises, we step across the line of faith and we look at them and we don't unpack them, then that's on us, right? We, God wants us to grow, but we have a responsibility to use what he sends us because unpacking and using what he sends us, those great and precious promises, help us escape the world's corruption. Now, how many of you remember just a couple months ago, maybe two months ago, the Canadian wildfires were going? Was that crazy or what? Man, there was smoke everywhere. I'm thinking, how in the world did that smoke travel all this way? Why couldn't it have just like settled in a UP or something? Why didn't it have to come down to me? All right? Okay. And so the, that smoke is pervasive. It was everywhere. I mean, you'd even go in your house and it's still like seeping in. That's kind of how the world's corruption is. Everywhere you turn, you, you open your phone, you turn the TV on, you go to work, you do, go here, you go there. It's just everywhere. And I, I you know, that... I think there's kind of another misconception buried in this. I didn't put it in my notes. But a lot of people think that growth, spiritual growth is really impossible because the world's uh, corruption is just too much. 
And that's not true at all. We can grow despite the world's corruption, and we do that through unpacking and using God's great and precious promises. And if we look into the next verse, Peter says, actually, as we use those great and precious promises, we begin to share God's divine nature. His profound character and moral excellence actually becomes our own. And guys, this really is the beauty of the gospel. This is this the living hope we sang about is that we don't have to stay in a place of relational darkness. We don't have to stay completely selfish and spiritually unproductive and useless. It's that when we express faith in Christ, we cross that line of faith. It's not like instantly, although I've heard testimonies of this happening occasionally, but for the most part, instantly, all of our bad habits and negative ways of thinking don't just like drop off us. It's we grow from that place to become more like Christ. What did Peter say? He calls us to himself because God is like way over there in terms of like character and morality. But he says, come, follow me. And he, we every day through, we'll get into this process, he calls us to walk a little more, a little more like Jesus. Do you, are you tracking with me? Okay, so Peter is, is saying, hey guys, this is the general way that we grow or general direction that we grow. So recapping uh, real quick. So God wants us to grow and we often grow because God pushes us out of our comfort zone. And when we cross that line of faith, he sends us everything we need. And God's goal for our growth is that we become more like Christ. And he does that through those those challenges. So here's the, the second misconception. The second misconception is this, that we generate our own spiritual growth as if to say we are self-made. Now, where I used to live in Parker, Colorado, there was a statue. Granted, Parker's a very very wealthy area. A lot of successful people there. They, they're perceived as successful. There's a statue of the self-made man. It's a man. He's chiseling himself out of the rock. And it's a tribute to that idea because a lot of people there think of themselves as being self-made. I am responsible. I, I'm the one who has made me, made me uh, successful. And, and, and maybe to a certain degree they have. But when it comes to spiritual growth, when it comes to becoming more like Christ, that could not be farther from the truth. You start over here. We, I, start over here with nothing to offer God. Nothing within ourselves to generate that spiritual growth. And he calls us across that bridge to express faith in Christ. And he is the one that gives us everything we need. His power is what causes us to grow. The only thing we are ever responsible for is saying, yes, I will respond to that promise. Yes, I will walk closer to you, Lord. That is the only thing. So we are definitely not self-made as it comes to growing more and more like Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. So Peter, he talks about the, the, uh, the having a proper perspective. Okay? He talks about the growth in general. And then he comes, circles back, and he talks about growth in detail. And I really like how the NIV reads this section. Okay, So let, bear with me as I read these verses, 5 through 7. He says... <clears throat> For this reason, for this reason, since God has like 
sacrifice so much to get you across the line of faith, to get you from death to life. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. Herein we find the third misconception is, and it's this. A lot of people think that growth is characterized by, by sudden enormous gains. They believe that like it's like making pancakes. You, you just get a box, you add a little water, mix it up, and in five minutes you have delicious pancakes, okay? How many of you like pancakes? I like pancakes, although I have a tendency to, you know, that little alternative waffle recipe on the box? I take it up a notch. I'm kind of a waffle guy, I must admit, okay? How many of you like waffles? Heck yeah. You know what I'm talking about. So he says, yeah, growth is not like making pancakes, okay? It's a lot more like Thanksgiving dinner, okay? It takes a lot of thought, time, and skill. It starts with excitement and ends with exhaustion, okay? That's what growth is, is like. And so he says, really, the truth is that most growth is intentional and incremental. It's gained bit by bit, one conscious choice at a time. And after many good choices we look back and we see just how far we have come. And this is exactly what Peter describes here. Start uh, with faith. Let's take a look here. So faith, faith is the beginning. Faith is the seed from which everything Christ-like starts because without faith, we don't even cross that bridge. So we have faith in Christ and we go across the bridge and boom, there's God's promises. We start unpacking them. We start applying them in our lives and we start growing from there. And so Peter says, from this faith, add goodness. Or in other words, out of this faith comes goodness. Now, when you hear the word goodness, and if you're taking notes, you need to write down values, okay? Everybody say values. Values. Because when we... Uh, uh, especially when we first come across uh, that line of faith, we do not naturally value the same things that God values. See, our natural tendency is to value bad things, kind of like these donuts. Now, you thought there was only great and precious promises in that box, but there's actually great and precious donuts in that box. Would anybody like a donut today? Would you like a donut? Would you like a donut? Here, I got some donuts for you. Here, Nate, come and take a look at that. Take a look at that. No! These are bad for you. This is a test, man. You just failed that test. <laughs> I'm talking about valuing good things. You should say, no, Pastor Mike, where are the carrot sticks? Right? No, I'm teasing you. There's room in God's values for donuts. Take a... Gosh. I think somewhere in the great and precious promises it says, thou shalt have a donut once in a while. How many of you are thankful for that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But the point is, is that naturally we do not value the same things that God values. And so the very first thing that changes when we express faith in Christ is what we deem important. Let that sink in for just a second. What we value in ourselves, what we value in others, what we value in the world around us, as we become more and more like Christ, our values change. 
And if they don't change, then we're not becoming more like Christ because it's a fundamental part of growing more like him is to begin to value the same things that he values. And so Peter goes on from there and he says, listen, add to your, value, add to your goodness, your good values, knowledge. We begin to know or recognize the difference between good and evil because we now have God's values as a reference point. So every, everything that comes our way, every choice, every, every thought, every word, every action, we just compare it to God's values and we go, yeah, no, okay, yes, no, yes. We sort every choice by how it lines up with God's values, okay? But knowing right from wrong is not enough. Peter says, simple recognition is only the beginning. We must actually choose right and walk away from wrong, which is why he says, add to your knowledge self-control. Self-control has to do with our choices. We must choose to think and speak and act in a Christ-like way. And, you know, doing that one time is pretty easy. Doing that a whole bunch of times in a row is a lot harder. And that's why he says, add to your self-control perseverance. Now, perseverance, pay attention here, perseverance is the tipping point. Everything hinges on this, okay? You cross the line of faith from death to life. You unpack, you use, you take your spiritual snuggie off, you start growing, you get out of your comfort zone, you start valuing what God values, you start knowing right and wrong, you're, you're sifting choices, boom, boom. You make good choices one time, and then you're like, ah, yeah, mm, and you take like three steps back. And then you, okay, okay, okay. Do you know what I'm saying? It's when we persevere and we make several, oh, okay, good choices every time that we look back and Peter says, now we start to become godly. Now we start to actually think, speak, and act like Jesus did. We don't think the way we used to when we were on the other side of the chasm. We don't talk the same way. We don't act the same way. We're different. And so Peter says that's when we or how we really start to become more like Christ. And that, when I, I'm just letting you know, when you persevere, that's when you seem to gain a lot of momentum, spiritually speaking, in your, in your growth, uh, becoming more like Jesus. And then he says, add to godliness brotherly kindness. Now, another translation says mutual affection. I actually like that better because the word mutual speaks to how we interact with people, okay? When we don't know Christ, pretty much everything's competitive. It's always, I'm going to win, you're going to lose. It's very competitive. It's dog-eat-dog. -dog. It's always about, because we're just extremely selfish when we don't know Christ. It's all about me, all about me winning, me getting my wants, my interests, me getting ahead of you, right? There's this... this um, fixed mindset, if you will, that, that comes with being extremely selfish in that way. And so when we cross the line of faith and we start persevering and making good choices, well, not only do we start to become more like Christ, we are, the way we interact with others actually becomes more collaborative. It doesn't mean all competition is gone, okay? It just means that uh, we, we generally start looking at our interactions a little bit differently. We look for win-wins as often as we can, okay? We're trying to negotiate these situations where as many people can win 
as, as possible because that's how Jesus did it. And so Peter, he takes it even just one more step further. He says, not only will the way you generally interact with people change, he says sometimes, and this is the pinnacle of growing more and more like Christ, sometimes you will choose to lose so that someone else can win. Because that's exactly what love is. That's what God, at least that's how God defines love. Think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He lost a lot when he sent Jesus to die for us. Paul says we didn't even love God when Jesus came. We were God's enemies and he still sent Jesus to die for us. And so God loves sacrificially. So if you and I want to gauge where we're at in terms of growing more and more like Jesus, if we aren't occasionally willing to sacrifice our own interests and wants for the interests and wants of others, then we've got more growing to do. Are you tracking with me? See, God's love, God's love is sacrificial in nature. And so he wants us to grow. God wants us to grow. Say that again. God wants us to grow. He does. He, when we cross the line of faith, he sends us everything we need to grow and become more like Jesus. And most of the time, that involves getting out of our spiritual snuggies and start making some good choices and persevering, and then we become more godly, more collaborative, and ultimately, we learn to love sacrificially like Jesus did. And so he's talking about our perspective. He's talking about growth in general. He's talking about growth in detail. And so now we come to a place where the only natural question is this. How do you apply this sermon in your life, like literally right now? How do you walk out of here with something, with like an action step? We find the answer in verses 8 through 11. Take a look at those with me. Peter says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, Work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. And then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the fourth misconception Peter addresses is that faith in Christ is the end rather than the beginning. As if to say, so long as we believe in Jesus... God is satisfied. So long as I cross from death to life, as soon as I get on the other side, boom, God is cool. That's all he wants from me. He just wants me to like just barely get there, just barely, okay, I'm, I cross the line of faith. I believe in Jesus, and, and now that's good. That is not true. In reality, salvation is the beginning and not the end. As a believer, God wants you to grow. He wants you to unpack and use what he sent you. He wants you to not only escape the corruption that is in the world, but he wants your faith to be expressed in productive and useful ways. So how do you apply this sermon? Look at, he mentions two things. First in verse 9, he says, first of all, remember, there's that word again, remember you have been cleansed from your sins. 
Remember all that God gave so that you could even have a chance to grow. You had no chance to grow over here. So he gave his only son so that you could even have a chance to escape the world's corruption, which, by the way, is for your benefit. Your life stinks when it's filled with the corruption of the world. Do you, how many of you can testify to that? If you're polluting your life with the corruption of the world, your life and your relationships are not going to be very good. Okay? So it's for your own good. And Peter's saying, listen, remember all that God gave so that you could escape, so that you could share in his divine nature. If you forget this, you're one of two things. You're either short-sighted or blind, he says. Being short-sighted, you fail to see how that is God's long-term goal for your life. Listen, like a lot of people, you probably have goals for your family, your fitness, your finances. You got goals for all sorts of stuff, and that's good. You should have goals. But you have to understand that God has one goal for your life, and that is to become more like Jesus. If you fail to obtain every other goal in your whole life, but you become a little bit more like Jesus every day, then you are a success according to what Peter is saying here. So don't be short-sighted. Remember, you've been uh, cleansed from your sins. The second thing Peter says is, listen, if you don't remember, you're short-sighted or you're blind. Now, that word blindness does not refer to someone who's like born blind. It's referring to someone who chooses to close their eyes. I kind of think of it like this. Somebody professes faith in Christ. They cross that line from death to life. And they get there, they look at God's great and precious promises, and they go, ah, la, 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 la. Yeah, I don't want to see that. I don't want to know that. Why? Why? It ties into what Peter talks about in chapter 2 of this letter. He talks about false teachers. False teachers are very much like this. They profess Christ, but they, they, if they cross that line of faith, they look at God's great and precious promises and they go, yeah, I don't want any of that because I would rather continue in my sinful ways. And Peter's basically saying, yeah, if you see people like that, if they're teaching, don't follow them because that is not what God wants. God does not want you living in a state of willful blindness. He doesn't. I'm just being frank with you. If, if that's you, I fear for you. God has a way of like sending an earthquake into your life to shake you up. Because, listen, I don't know about you, but one of the things that like literally aggravates me as a father is if my children ignore me. Do you, I mean, dads can testify to that. Oh, gosh. Don't, if you ignore me, Lights a fire in me. How much so more so God, who gave his only son, and we profess faith in Christ, and he goes through all this to give us these great, precious promises, and we ignore him. What is he going to do about that? I'd be scared to death. So P Peter's listen. he's saying, remember, you have been cleansed from your sins. Don't be short-sighted, and don't be blind. The second thing that you can do to apply this sermon is be busy. Be busy thinking, saying, and doing. Be busy choosing the things that God values. Look at verse 10. He says, so dear brothers, work hard to really prove that you are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things. 
do them. Work hard. In another translation, he says, be eager. Be eager. Make every effort. Okay? And so my question to you today is, are you putting in that effort? Are you doing what he says here in verse 12? Are you working hard to prove that you're among the called and the chosen? If not, then you better take it up a notch. Because I've, God sees you hustling after other things. He sees you hustling after that promotion, hustling after that boat. If you're single, guys, he sees you hustling after that girl or ladies after that guy. He sees you trying real hard, right? He sees you hustling after those donuts for crying out loud. The hustle's in there if you're properly motivated. So if you're not motivated to grow more like Christ, then you need to get on Amazon right now and order some. Do you know what I'm saying? You need to order yourself some hustle. Some of you act like you've already arrived. Like you've, there's no more room for growth. Listen, if you ain't the son of God, then you ain't arrived. And if you ain't dead, you ain't done. You know what I'm saying? Oh, come on, Pastor Mike. You're being a little harsh on me today. That's good. Maybe you need that. But that's the truth. And that's what he is saying here. He's saying, oh, man, remember. Remember you've been cleansed. Work hard. Remember where Peter's at. He's sitting, facing execution. These are his last words. And he wants to make sure that they're growing, that they're growing despite being way outside their comfort zone. And he tells them, listen, guys, and he tells us today, he tells you today, me today, if we grow like this, then God is going to provide you with a grand entrance into his kingdom one day. How many of you know what a walk-off song is? Does anybody know what a walk-off song? So I just went to a Tigers game. And down in the corner, like they show the player in his stats, and down in the corner it says walk-off song. And then they list some song. And they play it like when he comes up to bat or hits a home run or does something amazing. They play the walk-off song to like celebrate this, this player. And every player has something a little different. And so I was kind of thinking about my walk-off song the other day. Yesterday morning, I chose like a couple of them. There was a song. Um, I, it's silly because I listen to praise music and jazz music most of the time. But there's a song. Do you remember P.O.D.? Does anybody remember P.O.D. from like 20 years ago? There's a song they sing called Alive. I love that song. I love that song. I crank that song. There's a uh, song by Reliant K from 2004 called I Hate Consequences or something like that. I love that song. There's a song by Skillet called, like, uh, called Hero. I really like that. Okay, so those are my walk-off songs. I started making a list just in case he, God needed some suggestions when I get there, right? So you need to think about your walk-off song because God is going to provide you and I with a grand entrance one day into heaven, and he's going to blast that as you walk across kingdom, uh, the heaven's gates, okay? And that's going to be really sweet. So I just want to quick, quickly wrap up thinking about growth. Because if there was anybody that knew about growth, it was Peter. I think Peter sitting in that jail cell, knowing he's like hours maybe from dying, 
I think he was kind of rolling through his life just like anybody else would. And you know, I'm sure he was tempted to think about himself in the way many of us do because historically Peter was known as the one for sinking when he walked on water. He's known for denying Jesus three times. He's known for being the guy who went back to fishing after Jesus was crucified. But I kind of think we need to look at Peter differently. Yeah, he started to sink after a few steps on the water, but at least he got out of the boat. He was the only one that got out of the boat. And you know what? Yeah, I know he denied Jesus three times while he was sitting at the fire in the courtyard, but was there any other disciples in the fire in the courtyard? No. He was the only one that followed Jesus even that far. He was close enough that Jesus could make eye contact with him. Everyone else was hiding. And you know, we don't have any other written account of Jesus personally restoring any of the other disciples. It was only Peter that he went to and said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And so what this tells me is that Peter was focused on growth and not on perfection. Yeah, God wanted him to grow, but it was his effort that counted. It was his trying to become more like Jesus that mattered. And that's all that Peter was ever trying to do. I think Peter was a tryhard. I'm a tryhard, I'll admit it. I tr I'm a tryhard. That's what, what Peter was. From the moment Jesus said, come, follow me, Peter repeatedly stepped out of his comfort zone to become who God wanted him to be. And the same is true for us. If we focus on being perfect, we will never grow. We will never take that spiritual snuggie off. We will never get out of our comfort zones. We will never persevere in our choices to, to value what God values. We will never become more like Jesus if we focus on being perfect. Because a lot of the, the growth as a Christian, it is three steps forward, one step back, or four steps back sometimes. Will we sink sometimes? Yup. Will we act ungodly at times? Unfortunately, yes. Will we get really discouraged and give up? Probably. And yet, what does God say to each and every one of us? The same thing he said to Peter, come and follow me. Would you stand this morning? Let's pray. Thank you. Again, if you've not crossed that line of faith and you've listened to uh, me share this morning and you want to do so you come find me or Pastor Ben or Pastor Sean or Pastor Bobby or Pastor Jamie come come see us we'd be glad to talk more with you about that but if you're here right now and you're a believer and you've listened to what I've said and, you, and you're like okay Pastor Mike I, uh, I'm right there with you I'm feeling like way out of my comfort zone maybe I've been resisting God some or maybe you're in it and yet you want to grow. The, your prayer right now is, God, I'm taking my comfort zone off. I'm taking that stinking snuggie off. Move me out and grow me more like Christ. If that's your prayer today, will you just lift a hand or two and just begin to pray in your own words. Say, God, grow me. God, grow me more like Christ. Today, God, move. Today, God, not that you need it, but I'm giving you permission. Grow me 
more like Christ. Do whatever you need to in my life today. Help me to escape that corruption. Help me to persevere in valuing what you value. Help me to be more like Jesus. Help me to love sacrificially. Hallelujah. Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. We give you our whole lives. You can have it all, Lord. You can have it all. Every part of our lives we lay before you right now. We've crossed that line of faith. We are so thankful for all that you gave for us to do so. God, we remember you have cleansed us and we are going to busy ourselves every day of our life doing what you want us to do. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for the people that are here this morning for this beautiful congregation. Thank you for each one and I speak a blessing over their lives right now as they surrender to you in worship, begin to move in their lives, begin to grow them right now in Jesus' name. Mike, thank you so much. You've lit us on fire and uh, given us so much to think about. I love the analogy that Peter gets a bad rap sometimes, but uh, it just reminds me, and uh, the light bulb came on first service. I've been uh, getting my mind around a resource called Chasing Failure, the idea that if, if you're chasing and, and putting yourself out there, uh, you'd rather fail and have progress than not try at all. And Peter, what a great example. And uh, you think about growth in our life. And the truth about our walk with the Lord is we need to continue to grow. If we're not growing, we're actually sliding back. There's, there's, it's one or the other. We can't just stay the same. And so, Lord, help us today to grow, to be intentional, to get out of our comfort zone, to interact with the promises of God. And God, I pray that as we do these things, Lord, you'd put your hand upon us. And God, that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.